Welcome everyone, my name is Shannon Brown, I'm a senior analyst at Standards Australia and your host of the Sets of Standard podcast, a podcast where we speak to industry experts about current and emerging industries and technologies to better understand the role of standards in benefiting the Australian community. So on today's episode, we are joined by Mike Wood. Mike is a distinguished professional with Telstra and the principal for Telstra's Electromagnetic Energy Strategy, Governments and Risk Management Program. Mike has worked in standards development for over 25 years and is currently chairman of the International Electrotechnical Commission, IEC Technical Committee 106, which has global responsibility for EME testing standards for mobile phones, devices, wireless networks and radio communication systems. We're also joined by Corrine Riley-Tacos. Corrine is General Manager of Operations at Standards Australia, leading the organisation's standards development, publishing, technology and data functions. And finally, we're joined by Summer Lamont. Summer is the Strategic Initiatives Officer at Standards Australia. Her work is focused on delivering the critical and emerging tech initiative that seeks to increase Standards Australia's pace of engagement, impact and influence on critical and emerging technology standards. So on today's episode, we learned about Standards Australia's current robust process for developing Australia's standards, which are considered the invisible infrastructure that impacts all our lives. We discuss how changing industry expectations, the pace of innovation and the demand for speed to market are challenging the traditional standards development model. We talk about how the traditional standards development model does not adequately serve critical and emerging areas such as the metaverse. A great start to this conversation would be to ask Ukraine, what are standards? It's a great question, um, Shannon, and most Australians wouldn't know. We define standards as, you know, providing guidelines and definitions as to how products are going to be safe or services are going to be reliable, perform safely and consistently. And um, that's what they are. Easy, nice and easy. <laughs> and then, Mike, in terms of an, in a practical sense, why do standards matter in your industry? If you think about the mobile industry, you, you want your phone to work everywhere and you want the telecommunications networks to work. And that's exactly what standards do. They're designed to make sure they're safe. Whenever you hop off a plane and you turn it off flight mode, it connects and it works and it'll work um, in rural areas as well as capital cities and deliver what you expect. And it only happens when you've got standards that define how devices and networks and all the elements will talk to each other. So that's really what standards delivers to that us. Kind of interoperability kind of Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we know the the importance to your industry. We know what they are, but how are they created? Like what is that standard what is the standards development process? Yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of people tend to think that we have, you know, this dark rooms full of engineers. They're just pumping and drafting standards, but it's actually much more of a consultative process as opposed to having us write the standards. So we bring essentially all impacted stakeholders um, to come together and they come up with those specifications, those guidelines. It goes out for a period of consultation. So essentially any member of the public can comment, uh, can provide their input. And at the end of the day, once they've refined, they resolve all of those comments, they have to vote on it. Yep. So it's a consensus process mm-hmm. and then we publish it. So as you would imagine with any consultation, when you're involving lots of different yeah. interests, um, at times we joke that it's a miracle that we even publish anything, but because of this robust process, um, you know, they're really well regarded. And Green, you've been involved in the standards development process for nearly 15 years. 
In terms of changes in, in expectations of, of industry, what changes have you seen? Yeah, look, I think there's two key points. I think as we're seeing the changes in our environment and how, you know, the pace of change has has changed significantly, right? So I think w- when, when you think about innovation in 20 years ago, it would take two, three years and those lead times were quite okay. But now we're seeing, you know, things moving and changing on a weekly basis. And then when you have a process that, just our consultation is nine weeks, we have a problem here. So we're seeing a lot more this demand for speed to market. And, you know, if we're unable to deliver that, people are going to find solutions elsewhere. I think the second point for us, which is incredibly important as well, the deep standards people tend to say, well, you can't accelerate the process because it is what provides its, its integrity. And we seem to think that we can and we should and we have to, but at the same time, it's super important for us to ensure that, you know, whatever we're putting out to market is of high quality. Our stakeholders have told us that. We've done a massive review of our processes and they said, you know what? It's not good enough for you to just operate a process. We want to have certainty and assurance that the outcome, what you're putting to market, is actually of high quality. So what's the risk then of not adapting the traditional model to these changes? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we're already seeing enormous pressure coming from, you know, much smaller industry consortiums that form and they, you know, I have a problem here or I have a, a need here really quickly. Let's put something out there. Plenty of examples happening. Metaverse is a great one where, you know, there's a strong need for standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the current model of, um, you know, the international organizations and the national standards bodies, we sometimes take a bit of time to move on with it. And those industries need something and they need something now and they're getting together and developing their own solutions. And we're going to be left behind. That's what it sounds like, unfortunately. Um, But then in terms, Mike, as you're nominated Australian expert on 5G and you've provided your expertise on the development of international standards for IEC, for the International Electrotechnical Commission, what role are these standards playing in industry? The committee that we run, which is Technical Committee 106, if you think about the safety of mobile devices, health bodies like the World Health Organization and national health agencies set the exposure limits, so they set the mandatory health standards, and our committee has to write the testing methods. So if you think about the scope of our group, every person that's got a mobile or a tablet or a network or a base station, which is nearly everybody on the planet, their devices are tested to standards that we've written. So that's a pretty huge responsibility. So for industry, we've got to make sure, well, it's not just industry, it's government stakeholders, there's academia, regulatory bodies, because they all come together. And as Kareem was saying, you know, you get this consensus approach. We've got to write the test methods to ensure that they're robust, they're rigid, so that our industry can roll them out or roll out the networks knowing that they're safe. I often sit back and go, wow, I didn't realise we had this touch on the whole global society. But then they want, like you were just saying, they want the new technology and they want it quicker. I think we'll touch on that after. But I was going to show you something. Can I show you something now? (laughs) This, and I meant to show you this at the start, this is Australia's first video phone. This was launched on the 3G network in the early 2000s. Now, I don't know whether you remember these, but making a video call was quite cute and quite cool until you go, oh, what do I do now? You know, people didn't want to hold this. The camera rotates. So instead of pushing a button to choose the front or back, the camera actually moves. I don't know if you can see this. But 
the point about introducing this, and then this comes with a really sexy belt clip. It this, looks really oh, this was, very fashionable. <laughs> this was a 2G phone. This is an old BlackBerry, which you used for your email, right? And it didn't work on the 3, it worked on 2G, but it came with this accessory. Now, one of the key things when you travelled, if you were lucky enough to travel in those days, was that whenever you hopped off an aircraft, mm. chances are these wouldn't work because the device standards weren't uh, in place to make sure that every country had frequencies and devices that would work. So what we have now going forward, you know, 20 odd years, is the standards have caught up and wherever you go, your mobile is going to work. So I just thought I'd, you can pass this around, I just thought I'd illustrate, you know, the advances in technology, but these were all tested to the standards we wrote. So we have to keep up with that sort of technology. But yeah, I mean, this is a pretty old phone. I, I used all of Looks these. Looks like a Nintendo or yeah. something. It's very, yeah. Um, I didn't put in the 1G phone because <laughs> yeah. it was the 1G phone weighed about two kilograms. So that would have been. In- <laughs> and it was just going to be too heavy for my. Is it, did you steal this from the Telstra Museum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not showing my age, but I used that phone. You know, that, was, that was a brand new phone in, in its day. But because, uh, yeah, because I mean, that, that was going to be my next question in terms of you've been in the industry for nearly 30 years and looking at this and looking what we have now like you've seen and been part of the like the evolution of that industry do you think this is the biggest change that you've seen like in terms of the interoperability of, of you know i was looking at this and i think you know we talked about the last 30 years i think for the internet to go mobile and if you think about you know you can make voice calls and when sms first started people thought well that's not got a future who's going to type in a message and send it to someone well hello you know we're only <laughs> you know so many messaging applications later but i think to take the internet to the mobile world which we started in 3g and it amplified in 4g yep. suddenly you've got businesses that weren't businesses before because everyone, you know, FPOS machines, all the things you can do that you were tied to your desk for, you can now do on the road and people take it for granted. So that's probably the biggest change I reckon I've seen apart from COVID when we took that one step further and everyone suddenly weren't in, they weren't in the office, but they were all, you know, at home or somewhere else. But suddenly the demand on the networks accelerated digital adoption by, you know, at least 200, 300%. You said this, so this mobile was 2000 and... That was in the early 2000s. That's when we launched 3G. That was the very first video, very low quality video phone, but it was sort of a unique sort of novelty. It soon wore off because the quality wasn't as good. Yeah, so that was the early 2000s. This was in the 90s. People were using these in the 90s. So in terms of then looking at the wireless and the mobile telecommunication industry, because a fast-paced moving industry, I mean, you can look at these yeah. phones from 2000 and the way the camera moved. Doesn't seem moved. that long ago. <laughs> no, no. And so it, it, is, it, is, it is that fast-paced. But do you think then that the current or the t- traditional standards development model is fit for purpose for this for this industry. Well, for in fact, no. Look, it's not for these because not that they not for these now. I mean, I'll give you an example. In Australia, we turned on the first five G networks in 2019, and we're very fortunate here that they've licensed the uh, the new millimeter wave frequencies. So we've got this fantastic capacity. We don't use it all yet, but we've got this huge ability to be right up there with the world leaders in five G. But we didn't have the testing standards. So the challenge to us, we knew this was coming, or the, the millimeter wave part was coming in 2020, we could either go down the part of a full international standard, which was going to take three or four years, or we could choose to develop a very quick one. And we chose what I call, you know, a pre-standard or a technical report, which is informative. And we got that done in 12 months. Now, what that enabled was that 
all the new devices that had come out could be tested to that new process and governments could adopt that. The story behind that was that we we actually had to choose a method that would be really fast and a lot of the traditional standards makers didn't want to do it. They said, no, no, it can't be done. We have to follow the full process of you have a draft, you go out to voting, you have consensus, you do reviews. Meanwhile, we'd be at 6G. So it just wouldn't work. So we actually said to everyone, look, if we develop a technical report that's informative, we get academia, we get the government regulators and the laboratories all together, put our best brains forward, we'll come up with 95% of what's needed. And you know what? It worked. And I was going to illustrate the point. I don't know if I should. Corrine, can I borrow you to illustrate the point? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So you think about um, we're going to be developing new standards for, um, you know, the, the next generation of ambulances using this new technology. With the super fast 5G, they can do pre-diagnosis in the ambulance, get fast scans, and they can do a lot of the pre-work before they get to ED. Now, they can do that if the network's super, uh, super yep. efficient. Of course, when you don't have the faster connectivity, the file sizes are slow and, and it, it, you don't have that video connectivity. But Corinne, I'm going to give you a lab coat. You're going there to be, you know. <laughs> you're going to be our expert. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know that you normally do this in a podcast. But so, um, this is a, fir- a first. <laughs> you're now our, you're now our super expert <laughs> medical professional. Oh, now I'm going to pose two questions, <laughs> and you're you're representing. Oh, you could be representing the Australian government, right? I'm going to pose two no questions pressure. to you. Yeah. We want to develop the next round of 5G devices for medical theatres and ambulances and all the first responders, but it's going to be normative. Whatever we do must be used. What's the chances of you agreeing to all of that? I think it would be very little risk, risk, risk that I'm not going to get um, the information that I need and the doctors are going to be exposed and it will be... uh, mountain of lawsuits so no Mike this ain't happening so, <laughs> so that's not happening so Professor Corrine in your white lab coat what if we say to you now we want your expertise we're going to have a barbecue we're going to get everybody together but we just want your expertise into an into an informative document that could be a pre-standard it could be a technical report it's just where we gather that knowledge and we want you to come and be part of this international group what would your response be then I will send a bunch of people to come and collaborate, Mike. (laughs) Well, that's exactly, my point is that's exactly what happened. And we produced this technical report. People have told us that you shouldn't have done it because it was meant to be for something else. But then I looked at the Australian government's uh, website and they said, this is an unusual step for us, but we're going to mandate this because, and it's on the ACMA or the Communication Authority's website, because it will mean that Australians can get this technology faster. It's all about the words you are asking. Yep. And the governments have actually done it. And they've done that in other countries as well. So my thoughts are that to get a fast-tracked, fast-tracked process, we almost need to have a pre-standard or some other method where we gather the expertise. Yep. We've proved it can be done. We've done it in this group, and it's allowed the new 5G devices to be deployed quicker. Thank you, Corinne, for Professor Corinne. So do you think that's an example of like the fast and agile, the, the, an example of, of that? It's... It's what we've done. There's probably better ways to do it as well. But I think a lot of it's the mindset. Okay. Because we had a lot of opposition. The more traditional standards people were saying, 
oh, I'm not sure about that. 12 months later, they said to us, you know what? We didn't think it could be done. But actually, I forgot the trick to it. We got a young professional to lead the group because the YP was a couple of years out of grad, but yep. but he had a different mindset. They came out thinking, I know how to do this. I'll know how to get collaboration. And people wanted to work for that group because they were doing something you know, new. Deep down, they knew, oh, look, it's informative, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to get in trouble if I agree to something. And that was just a different mindset. And then in terms of that rate, so with, within that new process, was it a quick, you, obviously it was a quick, quicker in terms of- Oh, absolutely. The, yeah. 12 months. We were we developed it in 12 months. It went out for a quick review and then it was published. And it meant that we could t roll out the technology. So what would would it would the time frame have been if it wasn't? Oh, we've just published it this year. So what we started in 2018, mm. we did a 12-month technical report. And then two and a half to three years later, we published the full international standard because it needs that process. We followed the traditional method. And Shannon, just to comment on that, the averages today for international standards about 36 months to develop. Yeah. So when Mike's talking about, I know that for a lot of people, 12 months doesn't sound fast, but you're getting the whole world to agree. So 12 yep. months for an international standard or a technical report where there is international agreement is really way faster than what an international standard would deliver. What we're currently kind of... Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we've been focusing on 5G and the wireless and telecommunications industry. Looking more broadly, Standards Australia recently released a report on the data and digital standards landscape to map standards across seven key technology areas. Summer, you were involved in the development of this report. Can you talk us through what that report sought to do and what were some of the key findings? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Shannon. So the report mapped international and Australian standards published in the last five years, as you mentioned, in key technology areas. Um, so across things like artificial intelligence, data management and interchange, cybersecurity, Internet of Things, cloud computing and smart cities. Along with mapping standards, the report also sought to identify emerging opportunities and areas for Australia and international standard setting. So... Based on these findings, they, that the report then made recommendations. One of the key findings of the report was that Australia's adoption of data and digital standards was lower than we anticipated, um, sitting around 9.6%. And some of those key technology areas didn't have any international adoptions at all. As a result, one of the key recommendations to the report was to streamline that adoption process to make it easier for Australian technical committees to adopt those standards here in Australia. And you mentioned low adoption, that that's quite a small percentage across seven key, like you mentioned, AI, cloud computing, like they're incredibly important technologies for Australia and the Australian community. What's the risk of having such a low adoption rate? Yeah, it's a good question, Shannon. So low standards adoption presents some broad risks that are common across sectors. And then there's some more specific risks associated with emerging technologies. So broadly, the adoption of international standards endorses their use in the Australian market. And Australia's obligations to align with international standards where appropriate. Consensus-based international standards can promote harmonisation across borders, facilitating trade and reducing costs, interoperability and the consistency of product systems and services and security and innovation. And so a failure to adopt international standards could potentially disadvantage Australian industry and consumers. Looking more specifically at emerging technologies, they present some new challenges um, if we think about security, privacy, safety. So there's a need for Australian standards to keep pace with rapid technological development to support the safe uptake of these technologies and mitigate some of those risks. Big risks. <laughs> um, and, and in terms of, Mike, like Summer, Summer has touched on the risk of that low adoption, of having that low adoption rate. Kareen has spoken about the current model and the risk of, of utilising that model uh, for those 
areas such as you mentioned the metaverse. But if we looked in terms of um, from an industry perspective, what are the key risks uh, for continuing to, to utilize the, the traditional model in, in these new and emerging areas from, from a broad sense, not even just focusing on 5G, but in a broader sense? I think um, we'll become irrelevant is, is probably one of the biggest risks because if we don't keep up with technology, then the technology is going anyway, right? Yeah. So um, industries and regulators will find an alternative standards path or an alternative method. A point that Summer made earlier, we're talking about our work internationally. I think one of the biggest things to increasing our adoption rate is our participation because if we're participating, we're getting, you know, we're getting more buy-in because yeah. Australians are at the forefront and we've found that with our standards. But by, by and far, the largest, um, you know, the biggest risk, you know, we saw with the, you know, I mentioned a couple of these early devices is that we just won't be relevant and we will be, we'll be at 6G and 7G when we're still developing the 4G standards and you just can't do that. Yeah. Um, and I think about the medical sector. And you don't want to, you don't want our medical sector and all of the digital divide and all the rural areas to be left behind. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for, for giving your insight. I want to thank our guests for providing us with great insights into the world of standards and the need to adapt to ensure we remain relevant in areas such as critical and emerging technologies. Check out our show notes if you want to learn more about the role of standards in critical and emerging technologies and the standards development process. 